Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, the following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sports Scramble podcast. Uh, yeah, unusual voice tonight. Uh, it's not Chet. <laughs> so uh, we're down our host. Who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> Emergency <laughs> QB. Yeah, we got so, Tommy DeVito running this thing. Tommy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so, DeVito. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I guess, running it tonight with the guys. So uh, I'm here along with Tyler and Wade. Uh, but Chet is uh celebrating his two-year wedding anniversary with his wife so congrats to them um they're on a little uh hiatus so we're filling in uh, i guess for this week maybe next week also i don't know what probably for the end of the year honestly. probably the end of the year, yeah, you probably won't see year he's gonna be or next week he's gonna be in jamaica yeah so yeah. you probably won't see chet the rest of the year so uh it'll be my ugly face for the rest of the year but uh <laughs> Getting to it, guys. Uh, how was y'all's weekend? Uh, any wild, crazy things? I I know Wade got into some stuff, so because I saw on Facebook. But yeah, I'll yes. let Wade go first. His <laughs> extravaganza weekend. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, Santa Claus came to New Orleans a little bit earlier this uh, this season. He brought a Saints win against the Carolina Panthers and some joy to some Boston Terriers. That's right. Sports scramble. <laughs> I was. Santa Claus for the weekend for some dogs at a dog event, and the news came by <laughs> um, and put us on TV. So that was pretty cool. And my wife was on on camera giving a little spiel. My dog was on there. I mean, he might just be my dog of the week. He just was absolutely juking out the other Boston Terriers. It looked like Jaden Daniels out there. I'm very impressed. It was like my first ever, like, oh, I'm proud of my son moment. I know, I know it's a dog, but I was like, this is a good feeling. <laughs> anything, Tyler, anything that tops Wade's uh, lovely dog, weekend? Santa Claus. No, I, I did not get on the news this week or anything. I mean, He, <laughs> he is the I, news. What are we talking about? Yeah, I am the news. This I man guess. publishes news every day. Writing about news pretty much every day. Uh, but nope, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, not really too much football. I watched the Army Navy game. Uh, the annual, like, if you took the under, though, I feel sorry for you because the under, the over hit by 0.5 points. Give me safety. <laughs> because of a safety, too. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely enjoy it. Uh, got a last breath, probably, uh, of what I'm going to be watching from CBS with the SEC now shifting towards uh, ESPN and ABC. And then Sunday, 
watched a little bit of NFL, mainly watched the Cowboys and Eagles game, uh, and then also watched a little bit of the ending of the Bills and the Chiefs, and then watched a little bit of the Saints at the end just to see the, the two touchdowns that it scored at the end. Uh, but other than that, it was a pretty light sports weekend for me. Yeah, I mean, I watched a little bit of, of NFL this weekend. I watched a little bit of the Saints, uh, what I could, because it's just it's hard to watch. It is hard um, football. It's I don't tough to watch. I think you could have got in for a buck. I think the <laughs> defense scored more points the than the offense. The block front was pretty badass. Yeah. yeah they hurt I mean, they about ripped That's... off Hecker's leg. God, that was brutal. Um, But, no, I, I did watch the Army-Navy game. I'm sitting there in front of the TV, and I was just like – Please, and they're like on the half yard line. I said, just get it in just one time. I said, I want this game to go to overtime again, uh, but they couldn't do it. Couldn't get it in. They spent a long time in review. That's one of the longest reviews I've seen. That was just an immense amount of time for for one play, and and I know that it was That's critical. That feels like it feels like the biggest game. Tyler and I had the conversation where it was like, I feel like that game's the biggest game of the year, and it's just absolutely chaos and. It's uh, it's fun to watch, but it's interesting to see armies coming back after 15 straight losses. So, you know, so they're starting to come back slowly but surely. Uh, Wade brought up a good point talking about uh, Walter being the next Jaden Daniels. Uh, Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy to open up our college football talk. So, I uh, I was enjoying my lovely dinner at the Italian restaurant while uh. Mr. Daniels was accepting his Heisman Trophy. I mean, DeVito. So, yeah, so, right, right on cue. But, uh, a couple of minutes. <laughs> but uh, I didn't get to see too much of it, obviously. But uh, I saw the vote count, and it was completely one-sided. And I think we reiterated our statement by like saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. did not belong there at all because the guy just nope. didn't get vote. So let me ask you this. I might understand the situation wrong this was the first year where i paid attention to that they announced number five through ten in the in the standings do they announce the top four and then people vote and the other guys are just like runner-ups or is that like truly the vote count like how do they determine that marvin harrison should have been there instead of jalen milrow like is that already known and that's why harrison gets the invite or like, did Harrison end up getting less votes than Milrow? Because it just seemed like he got, like, shut out, you know? I just didn't know how that worked. Yeah, I'm not really sure how the voting works. I mean, I know that they have a little show about on Mon- – we saw on Monday Night Countdown where they announced the top four finalists, but I'm not really sure. Like, I saw that, too, like the graphic of five through ten. You know, Jordan Travis, he was number five. Honestly, would have put Jordan Travis over Marvin Harrison Jr. I – I know. Like, I feel like the argument was like Kyle McCord wasn't that great of a quarterback, and he still put up those numbers. Uh, but though I don't even care what quarterback you have; those are not Heisman type numbers. Like we saw Devonte Smith whenever he took the award. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure how the voting works. Uh, but it was the closest voting since 2018, I believe. The final votes it was like 2,000 points to Daniels. It was 1,700 to Penix, and then outside of that, Bo Nix he was third. Didn't get really much, and then there were some people who voted for Marvin Harrison Jr. the first place votes. Whoever did that, uh, you you should definitely have their vote revoked immediately. I think they probably live in Ohio. Probably, yeah. I I felt like I think my guess with the whole situation is is that 
they determine who the top four are. And I think they probably just rank them. Like uh, there's probably a committee for it at somewhere at some point that ranked them one through 10. And, you know, they started off with 10 on that countdown on, and everything. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that Jordan Travis was number five and Milrow wasn't number five. Yeah. I think Milrow was seven. But, but it looked like maybe Travis got more votes than, uh, Harrison, which is why I brought up the the conversation, and maybe that's not true, but maybe it was just really close between four, five, and six. But it just seemed like, to me, Travis made a late push and might have even had the fourth most votes. But yeah, to I guess think it's Jordan, all for none. Like to think Jordan Travis had that many votes and didn't play, you know, the end of the season, the large majority. But as we talked about last week, I mean, there weren't many playoff players in the top 10 and so a guy like travis i mean that was kind of what held florida state out of the playoff um so that you know like tyler mentioned last week that just shows his value and i, I think that garnered him a lot of votes uh really late yeah i think i saw the early projections for the heisman like already coming out with it for next season and it's like i think mill in first right now and like projection for heisman but it, it, yeah it's definitely uh Good to see some new new faces up there, and and you know, second LSU quarterback to to win the Heisman in four years. So great for 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 them and for the program. So I think you're going to get a lot of quarterbacks that could transfer in, you know, and that's that's part of where our next topic comes in is the is the guys that who are moving on from college football and moving to the NFL that do the old thing that we like to call the old opt out where. They just don't want to play opt out season. Get hurt. So yeah, this is just the first couple of many to come. Uh, but uh, Sam Hartman and Drake May both opt out of the bowl game. So that is uh, Notre Dame's quarterback and North Carolina's quarterback. Um, Drake May, I think, is probably the bigger one of the two, in my opinion, because of where he sits on the draft list. I think he sits in that pocket there where he's a quarterback that's going to go pretty early. Uh, first probably a first rounder, I would say. And I think last year, if you ask me, that's that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that you know, looking at the mock drafts right now, I think that Caleb Williams is still the number one pick. You know, we've had our doubts on this show, uh, but there there is going to be some quarterback needed teams. You know, maybe Arizona goes away from Kyler Murray and drafts Cedric May. I'm sure that New England Patriots. I feel like if I have to circle a team that's going to be you know all in on Drake May, it is going to be the New England Patriots. They uh pulled out a victory against the Steelers on Thursday night. We'll see if that's uh going to I, I feel like that was like not a part of their get you know tank away for a top 3 pick uh, but yeah. Really looking at it, you know, the, the Panthers are 1-11, but that pick goes to the Bears, and the Bears, the way that they're going, they're vaulting up the draft board. So I think that New England, even with, you know, being 3-10 and 10 right now, I still think that they're going to hold a top three pick. Uh, but with Mac Jones right now, with Bailey Zappi, Zappi played well against Pittsburgh, uh, but you need a guy that can just really turn this, you know, franchise around. Uh, so Drake May to New England makes the most sense. Yeah, I like that fit for him. I, I I was encouraged by what I saw out of Bailey Zappi on Thursday night against the Steelers, but I just don't think they give him a true shot, and here's why. They cut Billy Zappi outright in the offseason because there was rumblings within that organization that 
Zappy had a better camp than Mac Jones and Belichick said, Mac Jones is my guy. And, and the, he didn't have the locker room. The locker room kind of wanted to see what Zappy could do. So he had to make a statement. And, and that statement was, I believe in Mac Jones so much that I'm going to cut the competition and reiterate that he's my guy. It backfired because they had to bring back Zappy very early on. They signed him back to the, the practice squad and then eventually the active roster. And, and he's replaced Mac Jones, what, three times now? Um, mid-game before finally getting a start this week. So I think he's probably the guy the rest of the season, but I don't think he's going to carry them, you know, to, to a worse draft pick, I guess. I think that they're still going to be a top three pick in the in the draft. And I, ultimately, I do think that they'll go after Drake May um, as his replacement. Maybe Belichick falls in love with Bo Nix. I don't know what Jacob thinks about that, but I think uh, May is probably the more – um, highly regarded prospect. Yeah, I feel like if they don't go after May or they find some crazy thing, because like I feel like this is all predicated off of what comes beforehand. Because you know, right now I I don't even know who has the first pick in the draft. Is it Chicago? It would yeah, be Chicago by way of uh, Carolina. <laughs> Carolina. Carolina's got the worst record, but they so, owe that pick. I mean, Justin Fields is more than likely a starter no matter what happens to him at the end of the season, whether they decide to trade him or not, which I don't think they will. I think he probably Maybe stays in like Atlanta. is the only thing I could see. <clears throat> yeah, but, I mean, also I think Chicago could use that as a trade, you know, as some leverage there. If I mean, to trade the number one pick of the draft would be crazy, but, uh, I mean, you could up see it. Future. It really could. So, I mean, there's a lot of things on the table there where, a team could be picking Chicago's brain about possibly trading that pick and, and getting a, a decent quarterback. I mean, time will tell, I think, when we see how these quarterbacks are going to handle the NFL. And like to your point to Bailey Zappi, I mean, Bailey Zappi was a late draft pick, you know, for the Patriots. And that's kind of where they – so it's hard for me to feel like the Patriots are a clear-cut pick to pick a quarterback in the first round because I've seen them pick – Everything from O lineman to to you know, it feels like a kicker in the first round, you know, of, <laughs> of, of the draft. The stats just say that doesn't work, though. Right. Like, so I just don't. I want to be. I want to be a fly on the wall in that draft room just to figure out what is going through these people's heads when they're doing this. Like they picked Cole Strange in the first round. Uh, like I think it was last year, or the year before. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like it was just weird. Um. So yeah, with a lot of quarterbacks that are on the draft board this year, it, it could be pretty interesting who they go after uh i honestly think for daniels it feels like he's just gonna slip down the board just a little bit to a team that really he fits the scheme for um i think that's why everybody's kind of projecting him to stay in louisiana and go to the saints you know it's because he kind of fits that that mold of i think what the saints need um tyler's praying for saints, it Falcons, so, Bucks, yeah. all need Bucks. a quarterback it could yeah, go honestly, bad the Bucks also makes sense to me. I, I I just don't think that Baker Mayfield is going to be the guy. You already had the weapons there. You know, Rashad White, he's having a phenomenal season. And then, you know, Mike Evans, he's really turning into that wide receiver one. I don't know what's going on with Chris Goblin. I don't know if he's been hurt all year, but he hasn't really been the same wide receiver. And the defense, you know, has been formidable too. Uh, so, you know, JD5 going there would definitely make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, side well, side note here, since you talked receivers, you know, I'm watching the Titans and the Dolphins right now. Um <laughs> And Tyree Kill went down on the last series oh, on the sidelines. So 
Uh, I don't want to get him by an injury that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough. I mean, this seven nothing game here, not too much mm-hmm. happened. Seven nothing in the Packers and Giants too, which that's a snoozer. Uh, hey, that's what I'm watching because Jordan Love is a guy who has erased any quarterback controversy. I think he's won himself a job yeah. up there in Green Bay. I mean, y'all saw the stat where through like 10 games, he had the identical passing yards to uh, Aaron Rodgers first 10 games. Like, I just think stuff like that's not a coincidence. And ultimately, I mean, it look, it takes – a weird situation to be able to do it. You have to have a really good quarterback ahead of the a team and he's got to put you in contending, contending position. But if you can let a guy sit behind a veteran and bring him in year three, I mean, this guy got drafted with Joe Burrow in the first round four years ago. So for him to just sit there, marinate, come out and, and really play strong. I mean, it's definitely a strategy, but again, a lot of these teams that we're talking about, like the Patriots, you know, Giants, they they don't have that luxury. They, you know, maybe the only one that, that could is a team like New Orleans. If you can get a little bit more out of Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, I'm not saying those guys are Aaron Rodgers by any stretch, but they are serviceable starters. Maybe a guy like Daniels could come in and, and you know, make an impact year two or something. But it just seems like that, that time to learn has, has been really invaluable for Jordan Love. Yeah, I think you also have to find the right mixture when it comes to to coaching as well. Like, think about Brock Purdy's situation. I feel like Jordan Love's kind of in the same conversation there as well. You know, Matt LaFleur has kind of really taken that role and changed it a lot since Mike McCarthy was in that position there. So, I mean, a lot's changed with that with that organization and the scheme and how he runs things. It's a very young offense, you know, and it's kind of how Kyle Shanahan's done the same thing with with the, with the Niners, I mean, it's kind of on the same scale as far as they go and, and you know, really making it a, a high percentage completion type game for young quarterbacks just to get them confident. So, I mean, both both of them uh, definitely low, obviously low draft pick for Brock Purdy, higher draft pick for uh, Jordan Love. But, I mean, the two have definitely taken over both of those teams and, the Packers could be a playoff team after all, but uh, we kind of got into the NFL just a little bit there. But back to college, just circle around back to college football. Manny Diaz is the biggest news right now, uh, leaving Penn State, defensive coordinator for Penn State after he left Miami, um, or I guess what got fired at Miami and ended up, you know, making his way to Penn State, being one of the top defensive coordinators in the country. He has landed himself a head coaching job at Duke after Mike Elko accepted the head coaching job to go back to AM. Uh so Manny Diaz, I think Tyler and I talked a bit about this. I want to get y'all's thoughts on how he fits into Duke's role there, you know, based off what Mike Elko's done with that team the last two seasons, uh, and just how how they can continue, you know, being a bowl team in the ACC. Yeah, I think that this is definitely going to be a great hire. You know, it's definitely going to take some time to, to once again to build some program because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. You might have some guys uh, falling in Mike Elko uh, to Texas A&M or might be going somewhere else. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think that Manny Diaz, like he had the resources in Miami, but I just think like that administration in Miami just – didn't really care for him at all. You know, you're seeing Miami, even with Cristobal, and Cristobal is having a struggle to even 
like go nine and three or eight and four. Uh, so I just don't think Miami is really the program that you can really build. I think that he definitely is a solid recruiter. He's definitely one of the best defensive gurus out there. You know, Penn State had one of the best uh, defenses along with the Michigans and Ohio States of the world this season. Uh, so, you know, take a little bit of time. You know, the ACC isn't what you really call a juggernaut of the conference. You know, we'll see how Louisville does uh, in their second year. Florida State is going to be a top dog. We'll see if they land one of these, you know, transfer portal quarterbacks, whether that be Cam Ward or DJU. And then you have really your second tier, the, you know, the Miamis. We'll see if they can – you know, become a float. And then you have Dabo with Clemson. Who knows if they're on the decline is their dynasty is pretty much over right now. Uh, so, you know, if Mike Elko, uh, you know, can do what he did at Duke, I think that many Diaz get his guys in here. It's going to take, uh, you know, two or three years, give him time. Uh, but Duke, uh, you know, is definitely going to be a program once again, that's on the rise because it's, you know, Mike Elko gave the blueprint that you can definitely win at a program like Duke. Yeah, I think it's a safe hire. The guy's been there, done that in the ACC. It didn't work out too well in Miami. Um, you know, I, I think that, like Tyler said, the administration does have some ridiculous expectations from the 1980s and 90s, back when they were in the Big East, early 2000s as well. So I this program just has never gelled well with the ACC, and they've been there for coming up on 30 years now. So um for whatever it is, they just can't get over the hump in Miami. So I don't necessarily attribute that to Manny Diaz. Um, I like going right after another defensive-minded coach um, like Mike Elko was. I think that you don't want to lose the progress that Elko created for Duke. Uh, so to get another like-minded coach in there and just continue the momentum, I think it was a good hire for Duke, especially with it being one of the later hires we saw some of these other teams that didn't make bowl games or fired their coaches kind of had a head start on, on the recruiting search. So I think this is as good as it can get for, uh, for Duke right now. Yeah. We'll see if Duke can crack the ranks of, you know, making it to the ACC championship. Uh, I mean, Louisville had an exceptional season this year. You know, if Duke wins a couple of those games, I think they get a lot of momentum if they win that game early in the season at home against Notre Dame. You know, I know that Riley so Leonard goes down. It's so close. I mean, a lot of close games for them. I mean, they really could have been that team to give Florida State a run uh, in that scenario. But, yeah, we'll see what comes of them, you know, in bowl season right around the corner, starting here this next week, uh, kind of the toilet bowl games of the bowl season, if you if you may. But, like, you know, it's uh, – some good bowl games, though. So what's what's y'all's most exciting bowl game that you would like to watch um, outside of LSU? Because they're playing Wisconsin. That's terrible. That's not even exciting. <laughs> that That's ain't not even the a most game. exciting, for sure. That is not the most exciting game. So, uh, Tyler, what's your what's your most exciting game that you want to watch this bowl season? I'll he- head to the great state of Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Give me Oklahoma versus Arizona. I know that Dylan, no more Dylan Gabriel in this one, but I think that these are going to be two high-powered offenses. If you're already going to say who I'm picking, I'm picking Arizona. This is definitely going to be one of my best bets of the bowl season. I think that Arizona wins this one. It definitely is going to be like a 40 to 35 type of game, probably like that. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's defense has been struggling. Arizona's defense have really picked it up. I think that they're one of the best three lost te- uh, teams in the country. Uh, so I was really excited uh, to see both of those teams uh, square off. And uh, give me Oklahoma and Arizona as my uh, best bowl game of the season. 
All right. I'm going to kick it to the New Year's Six, uh, but not the playoff. I know that Kyle McCord might not be playing in this game. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'm really excited to see Ohio State and Missouri play. This was just the one that jumped out to me uh, the most whenever the, the matchups were announced. You know Missouri's going to bring their A game. I mean, they're led by their senior, Cody Schrader. He's not opting out. Uh, he's opting in. <laughs> and uh, I think that him, Brady Cook, Luther Burden, they're going to have their full force. Ohio State, Marvin Harrison kind of strikes me as the guy that will play. Uh, he hasn't even declared for the draft. So I think there's a lot of star power on that field. I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go – to the Sun Bowl, I've got Notre Dame and Oregon State. I feel it's like that enough. game's going to be really good. Uh, both quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, though. both quarterbacks probably opt out of this one. DJU's probably going to. I mean, he's DJ on the trade already. already. Be Oregon State with Ben Gulberson, though. We just saw him in last bowl yes. season. What he could do? Stomped Florida last year in the Las yeah. Vegas Bowl. So, I mean, it's going to be a really good one. I can see Oregon State winning this game, and it just feels like. This is where they get their momentum, and I think that's where they got a lot of it last year too. Was from from a good end of the year with the bowl game, uh, so I think it'll be an exciting bowl game. I, the Sun Bowl has got—I mean, that Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl has gotten literally the worst rap in the last few years because the games have just been absolutely god awful. But uh, the scenery is just amazing. It's usually a yeah. good matchup. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like Should this be. is this is probably one of the better times that the Sun Bowl's been good. Probably in the last five or six years, and it's been this good you know with two decently ranked football teams uh so big big one there those are all good games i mean every one of those are going to be good games to watch i don't know if i will have the time nor the energy to flip through all the channels and watch all the little games but um moving from that you know end of the season all these opt-outs and everything at the point at the end of the season where we finished because i feel like bowl season is separate from that but who who do you guys have is the worst your worst and your best team? Just give them the same time. Worst and best team uh for the season, for the college football season, you know, with all the expectations and everything of all these teams who fell short and who really just kind of blew it out of the water. Yeah, I'll start with my team that exceeded mine. I'm gonna go with Texas. I had this team really slotted at 10 and 2, so it's like a little bit more than what I expected. I didn't think that they were gonna be a college football playoff team. Uh, you know, they Get the hype every year that Texas is back. Texas is back. Uh, but I really knew that once they beat Alabama, this was going to be a team that was going to be one of the last four teams. I know that they lost to Oklahoma. That was just – they handled that game uh, terribly, uh, really played conservative in that game. Uh, but, you know, Texas really exceeded my expectations in their last, uh, you know, roundabout in the Big 12 and moving on to the SEC. So we'll see if the Longhorns can now finish off the deal. Uh, for me, the team that exceeded the expectations the most, probably Washington. Uh, not a team that I saw necessarily making the playoff to start the season. I thought they were a good story, but I kind of had them more in the Utah category. Uh, disappointing team, keep it right there, USC. I just think that this team was kind of the team everybody thought would emerge from the Pac-12. They didn't even make their conference championship game, and it was just one big drama session with Caleb Williams all year. Yeah. For me, uh, I'll go to the SEC for my good team here that really blew it out of the water for me. It's Missouri. I mean, Missouri yeah. finishing ninth in the country, 10 and two, fantastic season for them. I was 
kind of really from the point after they lost to LSU, I feel like they really got back on the horse there and they just ran through it. I mean, their kicker making it from 60 something yards, you know, to win them a game. I mean, talk about like momentum. It was was crazy. Uh, So I really think they blew it out of the water and they could be a really good team to pack some punch in the East, Uh, especially with Georgia. I feel like the expectation of Georgia here in the next year is that they can be beat. And I feel like, if they don't show up, I feel like this is kind of the scenario where they could fall back and their so-called dynasty, you know, could slowly fade away. You know, if something does happen with one of these teams uh, and of course, a lot of the recruits coming in feel like they probably can be beat and Georgia feels like recruiting's kind of fallen, fading away, but uh, great season for Missouri. Nonetheless, my team that fell short of expectations, I went absolutely just berserk on uh, college football coast-to-coast about this team, and it's Colorado. Talk about a flop. I mean, as much coverage as they got on ESPN and all these major networks in the offseason last year, beginning of the season, hell, their game against TCU was a primetime game, you know, it felt like, and they had the primetime game against Colorado State. Like, I was like, this is terrible. Like, And, and they started 3-0, and and they absolutely fell apart. I mean, they got into a situation where they lost six of their last seven games and just couldn't couldn't finish the job at all. And and some of those games were tough games. I, I get it, but I mean, some of them it was like, how do you not win those games? And battling injuries, I get it, but four and six is just way short of what the expectation was for this team in their last year in the Pac-12. Um, but away from that. Get out of here. New season coming. Um, Best bet for the bowl season. Since we were talking about the bowls, what's our best bet uh, with all the games that are on the slates from now until New Year's right there at that time? uh, What are y'all's best bets going into the the stretch? Well, I'm just going to go with uh, one of the games that we have this weekend. That way I can do this every single week leading up to the college football playoffs. I'm going to go to the Independence Bowl out there in Shreveport, Louisiana. Go with the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. These are two 6-16s battling it out, uh, but I feel confident in Texas Tech 2.5 versus Cal. This might be a lot of points, uh, but I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Let's talk about disappointing teams. I had Texas Tech as like one of my, you know, surprising teams that can maybe go eight and four, nine and three. They lose to Wyoming in like week number two. I was like, what the heck is wrong with this team? And then they get blown out at the end of the season by Texas and they lose by 50. Uh, so I'm going to go with Texas Tech uh, covering that two and a half versus Cal. I'm going to stick with the game uh, this week as well, just because we don't know how the opt-outs are going to be. And I would caution any viewer to hold off unless you feel really good about uh, the state of the team or potentially the backups because I don't want to put my hard-earned money on guys that change their minds. Uh, but I'm going to take a pretty safe one here. I'm going to take Boise State and UCLA. They're playing in the Los Angeles Bowl. I'm going to take the over 49.5 points. Call it an even 50. I think that uh, these teams could easily get that. I think both teams could get in the 30s. So I feel pretty good about that one. Um, I know that their defenses are better than you know, maybe they have been historically, and maybe I'm missing a key player being out, but I just feel like both of those teams should get in the 30s. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, I'll stay in the same stretch of games. I'll go right before that game, too. Uh, New Mexico State and Fresno State, 
in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, I feel like <clears throat> New Mexico State can't lose this game at it, not in the, state the home of New state. Mexico. Not I at mean, your that, rival stadium. Yeah, <laughs> that that seems like a, a wash there. But uh, it's a three and a half line for them in, Only in this three. one. Yeah. So Jeez. against a Fresno State team that I thought was going to be really good. Like I I thought they were going to be fantastic based off of last. I mean, they were ranked in the top twenty five of they were the season. Like top. Yeah, they yeah. won like twenty straight games, and then they it was just fell weird. Off. And they just fell apart, and I think lost three in a row. And I was like, "What happened?" But they lost uh, to New Mexico, and yeah. that cost them a Very chance. Very similar to what Air Force the- did. Tell you that, yeah. yeah. So, those two teams should have been in that championship. <laughs> I know. I think I picked those two teams to make it. I to picked the- Air Force to beat one of my representatives. <laughs> they fell off so so bad, like they hurt us or something. Uh, no, I'm going to go with New Mexico State to cover that. I think the Aggies will cover the three and a half. Uh, very easily in this one. It could be a go Diego go. high scoring shootout with Go Diego Go back there. That guy's incredible. Like watching watching that uh, game against does Liberty. Does he have any for, years of eligibility? I hope so. Dude, I, I don't know, but I, th- I think he's young. I think he's a freshman. I never I don't heard know. of him until well, this season. he might be finding so. himself playing in the Pac-12. Or oh, there is no Pac-12. <laughs> he, gets to play, uh, the, he gets to play Oregon State. Uh, no, no, never mind. They're in the Conference USA. Never mind. They get to play with Liberty and everybody else. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. not. But Liberty, not yeah. Liberty's a good football team. Uh, we they don't are. have to go down that route, but they're they're one heck of a football team this year. Uh, of course, this segment was brought to you by Wolf Spreads, building that bankroll. Uh, but moving to shifting gears like completely – um, to the old baseball, because uh, a lot's happened in baseball. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the crazy thing that everybody was talking about all this past season and now in the off offseason uh, is where in the world is Shohei Otani going to go? Well, right Shohei Otani <laughs> just decided to get in his, his unicycle and ride just down the road uh, <laughs> and visit the Dodgers. He signed a 10-year deal. Uh, with the Dodgers, $700 million. Uh, but the interesting part, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Here's the, the weirdest part about the whole scenario. That this guy, for the next 10 years, is only being paid $2 million a season. So after 10 seasons, he's only getting $20 million. And at that point, at the end of his contract, will he get the rest of the $680 million? Is this a smart move? from the Dodgers standpoint and saving money or is it kind of a flop with them, you know, and Shohei Otani is going to be like, what the heck is this? Who's the guy on the Mets that they have to pay every year? Um, the Mets have a guy that's on a prorated contract like that and they have to sh- send him like, I think that, I think it ended though. So I think it ended I think this year. I think they, yeah. But I think it ended this year, but it, uh, yeah, I saw that. It's like that. I saw that breakdown and I thought it was a joke at first until I verified it, but it makes sense. The Dodgers are cash strapped. Uh, they didn't have to pay the moving fee for Shohei Otani. He can stay in his mansion in LA. Really good. I think this is great for Shohei. I mean, he upgrades his team. He gets to keep his exact lifestyle. I mean, this guy moved across the world to play baseball. Um, staying on the West Coast gives him at least some normalcy. It's about the equivalent of you know, watching East Coast versus West Coast sports for people in Japan. So theoretically, his family can keep up with him. And oh, yeah, he makes $700 million. And I don't care when it comes in. You can live off $2 million a year for for 10 years when everything's being handed to you. So 
it's going to work out just fine for them. I think this is the move the Dodgers needed to make. I mean, this team has been the best team in baseball probably over the last eight years, 10 years, and they haven't done it outside of the the 50-game COVID season. So it's now or never. Freddie Freeman's not getting any younger. Mookie Betts is not getting any younger. They needed to go all in, and they did it. Yeah, it's pretty much just putting it all together now. You know, they already have the pieces. So I think that where they're missing those is the starting pitching and Shohei Otani is going – I mean, like Clayton Kershaw, every time that the Dodgers get into the postseason, he just gets lit up. I mean, the D-backs score, what, like eight runs on him in like the first two innings in that game? And then Julio Urias, I think that, you know, he's had an up-and-down season. Out. Uh, yeah, you, what is he at? Like Tommy John, like they had a couple of pitchers on Tommy John. Uh, so this is, you know, been a pitching stab though with a lot of injuries. The bullpen has been shaky too. Uh, so this is a step in the right direction. I think that the, you know, the saving money is only going to make the Dodgers uh, really buyers uh, throughout this, you know, couple of months heading into spring training and leading up to the regular season. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is definitely a do or die year for the Dodgers uh, coming up, you know, with the backs having that momentum going to the world series, you know, the giants, they're only getting better. The Padres, who knows if they'll be good or not, especially with Juan Soto getting booked, uh, get a, their flight booked to uh, Yankees. So who knows about the Dodgers? Uh, their time is definitely ticking out, but uh, Shohei definitely can only help them. Yeah, I mean, that's for them, you brought up a good point. They needed started pitching. That was huge for them. And they also got a huge bat. I mean, a big bat, you know, in the lineup too as well. Where does he fit in the lineup in a DH situation when he's not playing? Three, you know? four. So it's <laughs> one of those things. I slot right in. I think Max Muncy was their DH. Uh, yeah. I think he's probably going to find himself wearing a new uniform. But pitching-wise, guys, he's not going to pitch this year. So they're not getting that benefit right away. I think they need to add somebody else because, like y'all said, Clayton Kershaw, I think, out of all the guys we mentioned, is deteriorating the quickest. And Julio Urias, or somebody like that. Yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe they make a splash and go get Brandon Woodruff because. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, or um, maybe even Corbin Burns at the Brewers are kind of to blow it up. So they have the prospects to do it. Sure, and those guys are cheap for now, for a year or two. Yeah, I mean, even they could go and get the Marlins starting pitcher there. I mean, it's really, there's, there's a lot of people on the board there that they could go after, but this leads into another big, you know, deal there with Juan Soto going to the Yankees. I'm not sure if the contract has been revealed yet. I don't know if there's, don't think he signed an extension as a part of the deal. Yeah. So I think it's just, uh, you know, I've got two more years. One more. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I think it's estimated around 33 million, but it's one of those where uh, for the Yankees, I felt this was a weird move though. I felt like they didn't need more offense. I felt they needed pitching and and pitching has kind of killed them. Uh, And I mean, that's why, you know, for the first time in what felt like 30 years, uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox weren't in the playoff in the postseason picture, you know, for baseball. So I think both of those teams needed pitching. Uh, I think, the Red Sox got themselves a pitcher. You know, it's kind of one of those. It was one pitcher uh, that's that'll be decent. But as far as the Yankees go, I, the move's okay. But it just feels like they're just signing so many guys, just big market guys. And I get the Yankees have the money till the cows come home, and, and with their market and and where they fit in uh, in the baseball universe with all that. But I. I 
just seems weird to me to just throw another big bat in there. Uh, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on it. Uh, what's weird to me is the defensive side of this. They traded for Verdugo earlier in the week, who's not a very good defender. Aaron Judge is a good defender, and now you got to think that he's going to be the starting center fielder. But what concerns me is injuries. I mean, Aaron Judge is a big guy, and to have him play 162 games plus playoffs at center field, that's just not sustainable. And I think any time that you have to move him to the DH spot or give him a rest day, I think you're giving up a run or two defensively because you don't want Juan Soto learning a new position. You brought him in to be consistent with the bat, and you could probably put Verdugo there, but he's not not the same caliber guy. So I don't know. I think that maybe they thought they were in the running for Shohei, and they made the Verdugo deal because it needed to be done. And then when they knew they weren't getting Shohei, they decided to go get the next best available player regardless of position or fit, and, and that's Juan Soto. But I think they – put themselves in a bit of a bind uh, defensively, you know, in the outfield. Yeah, I agree. I think that pretty much on that to say anything else is that like the Dodgers, this is going to be a do or die. Cause like I mentioned, the Orioles, they're just starting their little dynasty. The Rays just feel like they're not going to go away anytime soon. And we'll see the blue Jays, like they have the talent, but they just can't really get up to that mark where they can win that divisional title. Uh, so they all East is definitely going to be stacked uh, and the Yankees can't afford to miss the playoffs again. Yeah, the Blue Jays thought they had Shohei in the back. Yeah, like, <laughs> they did. They I thought mean, they had him. Golly, they were so close, and I think a lot of people thought that they had a deal right there, right then and there. Um, but a four-hour meeting with uh, Dave Roberts changed all that. But I, I think here's where the deal breaks down big time. You get two outfielders in the deal for the Yankees. Well, my thing is, is that what the. Balloons. <laughs> there Happy we go. Birthday. Why is it always yours? <laughs> always <laughs> mine. I always get the balloon. Something I don't must know be why. going on or something. There must be it likes the trade for Juan Soto. Uh, but no, I think Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. You get two outfielders. Kind of weird. I, I felt like that was a strange thing considering I feel like the Yankees, I think they still have Harrison Bader, who was your starting center fielder for most of the season. Um, you know, where does where does Judge fit? Like you said, I feel like Judge probably falls back into a DH role only in this situation. Um, I don't know if they can. Up, I, I, where does like, Stanton fall into this then? Should right, and that's the, the other does problem. Does Grisham hold enough value with the bat that you put him at everyday center field? He stretch, plays the best I mean, center field, but he hits like 250, if that, maybe like 210. <laughs> right, and it's just he swings for the fences. I think it's just a, that's it's one of those situations. But the think about this, the Yankees give up a lot of pitching. I mean, you gave up Michael King, you know, who's too. a right-handed yeah. reliever. Yeah, I mean, Thorpe is a right-handed reliever. Uh, Brito's a right-handed reliever. Uh, Vasquez Sounds is like a right-handed guys you reliever. Might trade for at the trade deadline. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird. And and then you get rid of Kyle Hiyoshioka. Uh, I mean, that's just I just feel like that's kind of a weird giveaway is four right-handed relievers and a catcher for two outfielders. Kind of weird, but I an all-star like all pro outfielder too, nonetheless. Right. And I don't I feel think like, either team really benefited. No. I don't I don't think so. I mean, they're they're giving the Yankees a grade A when it comes to the trade because of the value of Juan Soto, I guess. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't see how this whole position works out for the Yankees, um, unless they're just trying to get trade bait at this point to trade away somebody else, uh, on the team. 
So somebody could be on the move from the Yankees big, you know, at some point. Um, but enough talk of baseball. Uh, I was going to get into the deal of maybe Mike Trout getting a big, big extension. Um, but just based off of injury and everything, I don't know kind of where that stands. I mean, they have the money now that Shohei's gone. I mean, they, they do have a lot of money in order to throw the bag at Mike Trout to get him to stay in Anaheim. Uh, but, I mean, it could be one of the situations where uh, – Maybe they decide to go out and get somebody big too. Who knows what's coming from, from or the they Angels? Blow it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. one just yeah, set a timer and let it go. But uh, getting away from that, uh, let's get into our best segment of the show, and that is who got that dog in them. All right, who's got that dog in them? Uh, let's go with Wade. Let's let's have Wade lead it off. Who's got that All dog? Right. Besides my dog, Walter, the Boston Terrier, I'm gonna go with Rashad White. This is a guy that you know I got some hate. I think it was from Chris. I can't remember who in the draft when I drafted Rashad White as my running back too behind Saquon Barkley. I just had a good feeling about this guy, and um, he's just been really phenomenal. I think right up there with Alvin Kamara and Jameer Gibbs as pure like pass receiving running backs this year. Um, just very smooth and had a big part in the win over um, Atlanta, creating a three-way tie for first place in the NFC South. Rashad White had over 130 total all-purpose yards, uh, had a 31-yard receiving touchdown, as well as 100 yards rushing on 25 carries. So a very big day for him and uh, the Bucks, you know, tying it up in the NFC South. Yeah, I'm going to keep I it in the NFL, too, here. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that called game, and that was Tylen Wallace of the Baltimore Ravens. That was pretty this badass. was an insane game between the Ravens and the Rams. Had a game winning 76-yard punt return, put on a couple of juke moves, a couple of missed tackles running all the way to the end zone and putting Baltimore as the number one seed in the AFC. Don't think that many people have Baltimore as the best team in the AFC, but Tylen Wallace got that dog in them. Yeah, for me, uh, I'll go – I'll stick in the NFC South. Um, okay. For me, I think it's going to be the Saints defense. I mean, the Saints defense, I feel like, is has to be the dog for them every weekend. And it's just <laughs> – There's just nobody shows. else. Like, there's nobody they ain't gonna else. Beat their car. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where you might as well go get a kid out of the stands and make a make-a-wish story for him at quarterback, you know, for the Saints. So I feel like their, their biggest moments shine when – they have uh, the defense on the field. Punt block returns it for a touchdown. So, I mean, there's a lot of big big things the Saints have done on defense to keep them in games and to piece somehow uh, in the race in the NFC South, which has got to be the fact the that all worst, those teams are in the race is just not good. The <laughs> worst division in football. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot to happen there with that division and with the Saints if they can even squeak it out. Uh, but, of course, that gets us to our – NFL games uh, for this next week here. Of course, we're finishing up the end of this week. Uh, but what are our best bets of the games coming next week? Uh, of course, this segment is again brought to you by Wolf Spreads and building that bankroll. Uh, Tyler, your best NFL bet of next weekend. 
Well, I hate to keep picking on the worst team in the NFL, but give me Atlanta to bounce back after losing to Tampa. I think that Atlanta gets back on track uh, and remains. I guess it would be first place in the NFC South. Don't know how the tiebreakers work, uh, but give me Atlanta to cover minus three. Carolina, they don't have an offensive line. They just don't really have the weapon. You know, Adam Thielen, he's been great. Uh, their defense also has been a little shaky this season too. Uh, but yeah, give me Atlanta minus three. That feels like one of the best bets of the weekend. Well, you're, the Bucks. So the Bucks have the first place oh, yeah. uh, spot currently in the NFC South because of the head-to-head win over Atlanta. Oh, yeah, they're all true. tied. They're all tied in my book. <laughs> all right, Wade. What's what's your best bet for the NFL? All right, I'm going to give you another over bet. I'm going to take over 43 and a half between the Ravens and the Jaguars. Looks like uh, Trevor's back did not shatter his ankle. He's going to play. He played pretty well against uh, Cleveland. I know that the Jaguars lost that game, but they still scored three touchdowns in that one. And the Ravens, I mean, they're just a juggernaut at this point. I, I really don't think this team's getting enough love. I think people are saying they have luck. But I think you could say that about the Eagles, the Cowboys, anybody. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a Minnesota situation last year where they went like 10-0 and 0 in three-point games. I think this team's battle-tested. I think they score a lot of points. And I think easily a team get the two teams combined for over 43-and-a-half. Yeah, for me, uh, this is probably the safest one of next weekend, I feel like. And it's one of the bigger games of the weekend, it feels like. Uh, well, it feels every weekend's a big game when this team's playing. <laughs> Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are headed to Buffalo to face off against the Bills and next week. Dogs, yes, Ow. and the Cowboys are ten and three in their dogs. So the Buffalo is two and a half at home. Uh, I'm gonna take uh, the Cowboys to win outright uh, in that one. Just money line that game, pretty good. Only other bet would be the Patriots to cover the ten that Kansas City's getting on the road in Foxborough. I feel like the Patriots defense helped them out a lot this past week and uh i think they can turn it on especially at home i feel like their defense is the only thing that's saving them uh and just kind of got in the short end of the stick when it comes to the offense there but on to one of our favorite segments from one of our favorite people who is not in contention (laughs) he's no longer in contention for fantasy football so he He might be as tyreek hill checked back in yeah he's listed as questionable so we don't have any details i don't think yeah, uh-huh. there's nothing really yet, but uh, yeah. It's here, gone to here, the wire. <laughs> here we are with Tyler's fantasy football corner again. Um, and Tyler's right now not in contention, but who yeah, knows? Yeah, we're just going to say right happen. now. So if but he something could be crazy happens <laughs> where this scenario changes, don't even listen to this. But continue. <laughs> uh, well, nothing else to say. Tyler, take it away with fantasy football corner. Yeah, so pretty much uh, we're just going to be in the fantasy football corner. Uh, We're going to be looking at each of our teams and how we're looking at in the fantasy football playoffs. So currently, as we speak, Jacob and Chet are both the the number one and number two seeds. Uh, Chet locked up the number one seed right now, uh, especially since Jacob is losing right now pretty handily. Looks that game is over, so Chet will be the one. Jacob will be the two, and then we have our first-round matchups, uh, which is pretty much locked in right now with uh, Matt Jones versus Chris in the four and the five, and then Wade and Mikey as we speak with a six versus the three. So before we get into the predictions for how we think the first round will be, how did you know? let's go team by team and how are you feeling. Wade, how are you feeling going into the playoffs? As of now. I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling like it's not over, uh, but – 
hey, I put myself in the situation. I'm glad that Tyler and I both won this week. I think that that's only fair. Or if Tyler wins, I think it's only fair Tyler gets in. Uh, but I'm glad we both didn't lose. And then I got in based off of points or something. I, you know, my team won. We're in a position to make it if Tyler loses, but certainly not counting on it. Um, but yeah, I think if if Jettas is back and plays this week, maybe my team's got a chance. Rashad White, we just talked about him. He's on fire. Uh, Saquon Barkley scored tonight, so the Giants have a little something to play for. He's on my squad. Uh, it it really week. just comes down to quarterback for my team. I think that I underestimated the position to start the year. Um, and I just wasn't patient with Trevor Lawrence. I think if I would have held on to him, he could be my quarterback this week. And he's been really good as of late. So I think it's going to be uh, Mr. Sam Howell for the playoffs. But that's not nearly good enough to beat guys like Jacob who have Josh Allen and, and Mahomes is out there and, you know, Jalen Hurts. I mean, that, it's hard to win when you don't have one of those guys for sure. Jacob, how do you feel? I want to feel like I want to feel in your scenario. You haven't been in this scenario, it feels like, in quite some time. And I remember you last year, you were six and eight pretty much in weights. She was going into the six seed, you yeah, made it away from the championship. So, how are you planning now with, uh, you know, going into the bye week? How are you feeling about your team? You know, you are on a two game losing streak. Are you having any panic on your team? Uh, no, I feel like this is the two toughest stretches for me. I feel like last yeah, week was true. a watch too, because I feel like. I fell into a situation where I had no quarterback, really. I was starting Tua. Wow, this sounds familiar, Jacob. So, yeah, so I, I, I had no quarterback there. So it's one of those situations <laughs> where I have I have Josh Allen back now. I've got Diggs back now. Uh, but I just got beat into the ground this weekend, and just I just didn't have a lot of offense coming my way. Uh I still had Aaron Jones in the lineup, but at that point it didn't matter. Even though he's out tonight, they took him off the lineup. But um, yeah, I feel fine. I mean, I'm at nine and four. Chet's at nine and four. Uh, Chet's probably he's going to lose his game. There's he hasn't even broken yeah, ninety points. Uh, so I think I'm still going to be in first place. I feel like I still have it locked up for first place um, in that scenario. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. What am so, I saying? Because I beat <laughs> Chet. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I feel My like man. I'm I'm good. Mr. One seed. <laughs> uh, and as far as points go, I'm in trouble almost oh. as far as points four go because uh, Chris is right on my tail. I think it's the difference is 20 points right now is the difference between oh. us in points four. So it's very close. He put up a lot of points the last two weeks, and I have fallen apart in points. Could uh, Chris be making me. a comeback? That would so, be the first yeah. time if we don't have the number one seed getting the most points scored. Yeah, so it could be very interesting. I don't know. I feel like I just won games really close. I won blowouts and then I won really close games. Well, now and, you just got to win. Right. And I feel there's so much more pressure where I'm sitting at right now because I've never been in first place before. Like, I've always been kind of middle of the road or last person to make it in. Uh, and that's why I felt like there was no pressure last year when I made it to the championship at six and eight. But this year at nine and four, I feel like the expectations is super high for me to have to because I have to sit there, sit back and watch the first week weekend of playoffs and basically see what happens. And the two guys that are right there are two guys that have beat me the last two times I've played them. So it's it's a little tough. I mean, I feel like momentum has uh, not on my side anymore, but. 
trying just to bounce back and salvage, hopefully make a push uh, for the end of the season. Well, let's make some quick picks here. Let's go into the projected first round matchup. So let's go one by one. Who do you think would win a matchup between uh, Matt Jones and Chris's team? I like Chris's team at the moment. I think they're pretty hot. Um, the thing there that concerns me is Austin Eckler is having yeah. good fantasy numbers, but his coach has come out publicly saying that he's not getting the job done. And Justin Herbert just got hurt. So I don't know if that helps or hurts him. He might get a lot of dump offs and do quite fine. But Chris has some other guys that, you know, beyond Eckler that he's going to be just fine. Jacob, yeah. you going with any recency bias? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna pick the guy who I'm playing this this past weekend that beat the socks off of me. So I'm gonna go with Matt. I think Matt Jones probably wins that one, uh, just because I feel like there wasn't many people that benefited from the Joe Burrow injury, but I think that Matt Jones is one guy that did benefit from it because of Joe Mixon getting so many more touches yes. now, and yeah. definitely, I mean, twenty twenty one and a half points for him. Fields has turned it on. I mean, really, the only guy in Chicago that has done much. Uh, for them, so tough for that. I mean, David Njoku for getting twenty seven point one points for that guy the so Brown. I just that was insane for me. I just yeah, don't understand go. like how somebody can hit that like that. I mean, Derrick Henry only has seven yeah. points right now. You know where we're sitting at. So without one of those big things that happens, I'm still okay. And meanwhile, this guy's got Cooper Cup sitting on the bench with twenty five and a half points this week too. I mean, that's so, what I was about to say. It's just hard makes, for me to uh Yeah, this would probably be a high scoring matchup, but I'm gonna go with Matt Jones team. I mean, like you mentioned, he did all this without Cooper Cup on the bench. Uh if he starts him this week, they got the commanders. The commanders ranked 31st and then fell in their secondary. Uh so I think this would be a really good matchup, but I'm gonna lean towards the Batty Isis team. Let's go to the six v three matchup. Obviously, this could change if a miracle happens, but Wade versus Mikey. Wade, what do you think that your team could pull off the upset here? <laughs> hey, you got to be your your own voice and your own cheerleader. So that's right. Jettas and Bettas is going to pull off the upset. <laughs> and Tyreek Hill is just – he's just not going to feel like playing football. And okay. uh, he's, he's going to score two and a half points. Justin Jefferson's going to reestablish himself as wide receiver one. Uh, a lot has to happen, but I, I think – Mikey's had a much better year than my team, uh, but it is the playoffs and, and crazy stuff does happen. Jacob, you're going to go with the upset too or go with chalk? Uh, no, I'll, I'll go with Wade. I think Wade can do it. It's one of those. <laughs> all right, let's go all support. Another, all supporting you, Wade. I would take the chalk. If you get another big weekend out of another big weekend out of DJ Moore, dude, like, uh, and you could you do it. Like, there's anything can happen. In that scenario, it's just crazy. Like it, it just—it's so week by week, and you just can't. Like if you have momentum, it's good. Like you're rolling, and I just feel like you can do it. I think that's, and it's all yeah. luck at that point too, because you're just. And these teams there. are all pretty good, you know. Eight man teams. Everybody's yeah. got a pretty good lineup at this point. Um, it's just a matter of when the stars hit, and and your stars, you know, usually don't let you down. But it's those guys that kind of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, if you can have somebody just come out of nowhere and put up a, a 20 spot, that can go a long way. Like, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to score and get his, you know, that 20 to 30 um, each week. Yeah. I mean, that's just how he is. And and for my team. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you know, Saquon's going to score, but can like Rashad White carry me or something, you know? Yeah. It's got to be the match. I feel like I, sh- 
I feel like I should throw, like I should have thrown this weekend, but Chet would have had to win. Like, is there certain situations like if I if I was to throw early, then I probably would have fell to the third I'm glad spot. You had the opportunity to throw. Thinking of that, like I could have thrown and had to get the you know and thrown for the two seed and still gotten a bye, and probably would have had hate to say it easier game. I don't think than, you can really play for matchups because any team can get hot in our league. Right. I mean, that's, hey, I had, I mean it was like simple for me. Said. I had to win to get in, and I yeah. still have to. I have to win to get in and outscore Tyler by 20 or have Tyler lose. So, I mean, it it yeah. took a lot to get there. Well, let's do one more quick pick. Who do you think you boys take home the chip? Jacob, you think that your team's going to take home the chip or you're going to go with the field? Um, I think I can do it. <laughs> I'm okay. going to take, take the <laughs> confidence. I need the confidence. Who do the Bills play week 17? That will determine my pick. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna look while you guys. Yeah, look that up. Wait, who do you think? Are you gonna take your team or the field? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely taking the field over my team. But Jacob's team, if the Bills have a good Week 17 matchup, the New England Patriots, baby. Oh, that could go so many different ways, Jacob. Though that could be like a seven to six game. Yeah. (laughs) I Could think be. that uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go with I think whoever gets out of this Matt Jones versus Chris's matchup, I think it's going to win the league. I think that way the Matt Jones team's looking, I think that he's going to put up points. Jacob, the only concern that I have for you is the running backs. Your running backs, yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, but they're piss poor. <laughs> they're not really made to really, in the, like right now, you have Aaron Jones. What is Aaron Jones doing right now? Like, has he done Putting anything to give me hope? No. Wasting my well, he's first, out. I mean, first he, round. He's he didn't out. even play this weekend. Oh. And then you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You're, I mean, Pacheco, I who knows up, how long. And I picked him up, oh. too, because I don't know how long Pacheco's oh, going to yeah. be out for. Like, and I, yeah. That's good and all. I think the Bills, like with Stephon Diggs and all that, but you got to have more than that to win the championship. So I'll go – since I picked Matt Jones to win, I guess I'll say Matty Ice takes home the championship. I'll go with that pick. So the five seed takes it home. But that's it for the fantasy football corner now. We'll just we'll let it play it out. Yeah, we'll see what happens. A lot can happen there. We'll stay in the world of football uh, here in the NFL. Bills uh, get a big controversial win, according to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and the talk of the town for, for this weekend was the last play of the game, uh, really there for the for the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, lovely Canarius Tony, per usual this season, him. has decided to, you know, make the play out of, of determining the game there. Uh, the guy who scores the touchdown and is the one who gets the flag called on him and brought back ostensibly ending the game. Uh, but the weirdest thing was, is it happened seven times in that game where he lined up on the wrong side of the ball and they threw the flag on the last time. Uh, wow. so I seven times the charm there. Maybe if you check with the officials, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, yeah, it's one of those situations where they were like, Oh, well they should have called it all the other times. And they just did that in the heat of the moment because of where the situation I'm like, okay. This guy is been doing this for how long? Like he knows that he needs to make sure that he is on the right side of the football. Um, yeah, it just there's felt like some a lot of excuses with that guy, man. Yeah, it just felt like there was a lot of excuses from Kansas City. I mean, they did not play the cleanest game uh, by far. I mean, I think there was a lot of other things in that game that could have gone their way that they they had full control of what could happen there. Um, I mean, it just wasn't that one play. I mean, that's just a miracle play that happens. I mean, you really can't say that, oh, well, you know, 
that really screwed us and, and everything. I mean, you really had a lot of other opportunities before that to put the ball in the end zone and you just didn't do it. So uh, I don't know how y'all see the situation and the fit that KC threw from it, but. I don't like the fit that Patrick Mahomes did. Like, really, he was trying to shake his guy's hand, and he literally said to Josh Allen, that was the most effing, like, bullcrap call I've ever seen. Like, Josh Allen just pat on the chest. I bet that that pass, like, shut the hell up. Like, you've had every call. Like, going back to that, like, the AFC Championship game, literally a coin flip decided that game. So, don't even talk to Josh Allen. He's been through hell and shit. Like Patrick Mahomes, like they've got every single like going back to the the Eagles, the Super Bowl. They got that call to pass interference. So, Chiefs fans, like don't eat like Patrick Mahomes and all that. Like I'm done with their crying about all this. Like boohoo, you got a call against you. I mean, it's happened many many times in Kadarius Tony. It feels like he's been like every single loss. Like he's either had a drop or he's been offsides. Yeah, here's the thing with the Chiefs. Not only do they not have a very talented wide receiver core, it's gotten to the point where the wide receiver core is costing them football games. I mean, I think Rasheed Rice is good for a rookie, but the guy drops the ball at least twice a game. He had a critical fumble in this one. Then you look at Kadarius Toney, first-round guy that has never come close to to what he should have um, and his capabilities, but... He's a guy that has one or two head scratcher plays a game, and sometimes it's in the first quarter and it doesn't matter, and Mahomes wins the game. Sometimes it's like this and he loses the game. Um, and then Sky Moore has not panned out to anything. MVS drops the ball. So you're really banking on a 34 year old Travis Kelsey to run a route across the middle and get some separation. They have nobody that can stretch the hash marks on this team, and I think it's really caught up to them. Uh, they did not make a trade at the deadline either, other than for McCole Hardman. He's out. I just don't see how this team can I, – I think I can see how they can make it through the playoffs because they've done it year in, year out. But I just don't see how they match up on paper against some of these other offenses that, that they're going to have to go through yeah. um, in the AFC. And I think that it limits what Mahomes can do. And he, he's got to keep a level head because he's – you know, all they got really on offense without Pacheco out there with an aging Travis Kelsey, it's all going to come down to Mahomes just delivering a perfect football. Yeah. I mean, uh, moving away from that wacky scenario there to one that really was one-sided from the very start, uh, the Cowboys get a big statement win at home in Dallas against the Philadelphia Eagles, both teams now 10 and three, uh, but biggest surprise, you know, in this one, for me, Philly never put it in the end zone. I mean, that's just one of those situations where it felt like they had all these chances to really do it in the first half and stick it in the end zone, and they just couldn't do it. And finally, they get in the end zone on a fumble return, but the offense never never put it in the end zone, and that that's really concerning uh, for them and for Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, just I mean, it's credit to Dallas's defense for keeping them out. Dallas's defense has been really the number one defense in the NFL all season. Uh, but what's y'all's kind of feeling on the Cowboys at this point in the season? You know, sitting where we are at week 14, you know, at the week 14 mark, and how the Cowboys shake out uh, in the NFC and if they can break the curse in the playoffs. I kind all of right. believe in them. I, I believe in them. Tell. 
We'll see. Playoff Cowboys is different, but I I think they are right up there with the 49ers to me for for complete teams. And um, I still like the 49ers more, and we saw the 49ers curb stomp Dallas earlier this season, so that helps. But I think all three of those teams you just mentioned are really, really good, but I think the Eagles are trending in the wrong direction, whereas the Cowboys and um, San Fran seem to be on the up and up. I think if Dallas can go win in Buffalo right now against a team that's playing pretty good football, uh, that would be a huge step in the right direction. I've really been impressed with the Cowboys. I mean, if I have MVP vote right now, it would be Dak Prescott. I mean, the man just balls out every single week. You know, everyone wants to talk about, you know, C.D. Lamb, you know, Jake Ferguson. He's been really good. He's really stepped in. Like, we didn't know, like, without Dalton Schultz, like, who would really be that pivotal tight end one. I think that Brandon Cook, so was a very good free agent pickup for them. He's really gone into the wide receiver, too. And, you know, their defense – can't really say much about them. I mean, they're definitely one of the best. You know, this last time that the Eagles and Cowboys, it was the game that went into the 30s. And the Eagles, I mean, this is two back-to-back weeks, man. Like, they got curved on by the 49ers, and they got curved on by the Cowboys. And those are probably the two best teams in the NFC. Uh, so, Eagles definitely have a, a lot of cause for concern. I just don't think that defense, uh, you know, is playing up to the pin- potential like it was in last year's run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh Moving away from this one to the absolute snooze fest of the NFL uh, this the, weekend. The soccer game? Nothing to talk about, the Vikings, really. The, I mean, the Vikings get the ultimate win of the weekend, uh, three to nothing win over the Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, talk Did about we get a score down here now. And, and guess oh who picked God. up Josh Dobbs to be a fill in fantasy quarterback this week in my, my South Carolina league? Me. You did. Yes. Very That's, bad. I mean, Talk about a piss poor showing from both teams. I mean, that's just brutal to watch. Good for the Minnesota um, defense. Yep. I mean, Nick Nick Mullins in this game though. <laughs> like, like, what are we like? They need a quarterback there. Yeah, they need somebody really bringing back Kirk or drafting a quarterback. They I think they somebody. might be a good fit for Michael Penix. That would be good point. That would be a good fit. I think he could step right in and and salvage this playoff roster, give him one more run, but also kind of let them start developing a a QB of the future. Yeah. I mean, looking at the scoring summary and the only score was in the fourth quarter with a minute 57. I mean, oh my God. I mean, that's just, it's terrible. Imagine Uh, if like it went to overtime and it had a zero, zero tie. And wasn't it because the defense got to stop deep in, Vegas territory? Yes. So. I mean, so the offense literally never moved the ball in a scoring position. And no, it was only because another offense made a bad play. Remember. I mean, somehow both of these teams broke 200 yards of offense. The Vikings with 231 and sure the Raiders had dogs. 202. But three turnovers from Vegas? I mean, that really killed them. That's, that's crazy. But 16 first downs for the Vikings and they couldn't put it in the end zone is pretty bad. I mean, that's, that's yeah, this is definitely going to be the last year for Devonte Adams in that offense. There's no oh, way yeah. that he stays there anymore. No <laughs> way. Whether he goes back to, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and old buddy in the jets or goes somewhere with that offense with a pulse. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen there uh, with either of those teams after yes. that atrocious week. Um, but Another big game here, Chicago. Somebody picked this game last week, and I don't know who it was. Um, 
I think it was actually, I think it was me. I think I picked the really? Lions to win on the road in Chicago against the Bears and they flopped. And somebody no, warned Chet, me Chet, about this. It was game. like a three point line. And you missed on yours okay. too, but it was not that game. It was um, something else. Maybe it was you. It was one of y'all. You were Chet took I don't know, the Lions. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the Bears with a big win at home uh, over the Lions to get themselves back into something. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's definitely a situation there where it's a slugfest. Good for the Bears, though. I think Justin Fields. I think you could speak more to Justin Fields, Wade, than I think any of us can. Him, yeah, DJ Moore. Know, kind of <laughs> being your guy, DJ Moore. I mean, kind of yeah. rolling with him. I mean, that's that's kind of yeah, he's, the biggest look, thing for he, The last two weeks, I think he's turned the page of, hey, is this our guy or are we going to move on from him? I think there's two arguments. I think you could go get Caleb Williams at number one overall and nobody would – bad an eye i think that it's a new gm that didn't draft fields i think that there's nothing wrong with that or you could double down on justin fields trade back a little bit maybe still get one of these really talented receivers like uh if harrison's not there i mean you still have neighbors you still have roma dunze so i think you could get him some help uh you could go ahead and go after the offensive line i think there's ways for this bears team to get a lot better, um, but I think the pieces are there. I mean, DJ Moore has been been the guy. Had two touchdowns um, this past week. Justin Fields ran the ball effectively. Of course, slung it out to Moore. So I think this is, is a good sign for Chicago, but I'm getting a little worried about Detroit. I mean, they just haven't looked the same since November. I think that they ran the ball a lot with David Montgomery Early in the season, um, I think some of that wear is starting to show. And I, I still think they need a second receiver to establish themselves. I mean, I think it's just been too easy to take Kamon Ra out of the game lately. Yep. They took yeah, him out I mean, at, on uh, Sunday, that's for sure. And that's yeah, the Bears. Definitely. I mean, not, that's not a good defense. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a weird game there. I mean, playing at Soldier Field is no easy task. Uh, whether you are the best team in the league or the worst team in the league. But uh, going over to the game, the fun one in Baltimore, I think the best game of the weekend. I, think I was we so surprised both of those teams scored 30 points. And really? Let's really? talk That's about this. Good defense. I mean, this, what hey, a with game. Healthy Stafford, I mean, the Rams are completely different. Yeah, I mean, what a yeah, game. Stafford's what, a good little fantasy flyer for those of you that might – be listening and needing a, a quarterback in round one of your playoffs. I mean, the commanders good... this week, so go pick them up while you can. That's an yeah. A plus matchup <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah. So Tylen Wallace with a uh, 76 yard punt return wins it in OT. Uh, crazy finish to a wild, wet game there. Uh, slip and slide game in Baltimore. Rough weather. I mean, rough weather like that. I feel like teams like Baltimore are built for those games. Like it's just kind of those rough games where it's just like you gotta hold on to the ball. So I mean, yeah. I mean, both quarterbacks went off. Really. I mean, there was so much scoring in this game. Three touchdowns both ways for both of these guys. Stafford kept it clean. Uh, one in INT for Lamar. I feel like Lamar is bound to throw an interception at least once a week. I feel like he's he's bound to do it. Um. But, yeah, I, great, fantastic game here from both of these teams. Uh, of course, Baltimore is on 
in the lead in the AFC right now, uh, depending on what happens here with the Dolphins, too, who could crack it open there and, and be the other 10 and 3 team. But right now they're getting beat to the 4 and 8 Titans. But mm. side note. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot could happen in the AFC. Uh, you know, a lot regarding those two teams really make up what happens in the AFC there. Speaking of, Let's close it out. Let's go with our uh, divisional picks. Who we think is going to take the cake in the divisions uh, as of right now, where we sit at at the end of this weekend. With starting, let's start with the AFC. I feel like the AFC is less of an exciting one than the NFC. I feel like there's too, a lot. I feel like the NFC is taking the cake this year. So let's start in the AFC. Let's start in the AFC North. Mm, so AFC in the North. A- in the AFC North currently, you know, you've got Baltimore in the lead, uh, and they've got a pretty big lead in the AFC North right now. Uh eight or ten and three right now. Browns right behind them at eight and five. Pittsburgh behind the Browns at seven and six, tied with the Bengals at seven and six. So a lot of good teams there uh in the AFC North. I want to get y'all's pick on who can kind of shake it up or win it all there in the division. Yeah, my preseason pick, I had the Bengals. Well, I didn't know that Joe Burrow is going to get hurt this season. Uh, so with all that, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think that if Lamar can continue uh, to play the way that he is, you know, the wide receivers, Odell has quietly stepped up for them. Zay Flowers, I mean, he's been an absolute dog for them this season. They got a defense. So I think Cleveland, we've had a quarterback there. Pittsburgh, without a quarterback. And Cincinnati, without a quarterback. It's a division without quarterbacks uh, in Lamar. And the Baltimore Ravens. I think that Baltimore not only is going to be my pick for the AFC North, I think that they finish at the top of the AFC as well. I'm going to agree with Tyler. I'll go with Baltimore. I think Cincinnati's looked really good uh, without Joe Burrow. And Jake Browning's done a great job. Um, But they needed some help because they lost some games. Even when Burrow was in there, they lost to the Ravens uh, twice. So it's going to be really hard to come back and – and take down the Ravens and the Ravens just keep winning. I mean, they just kind of seem like a really battle tested team. Like I mentioned. Yeah, I'll go with it too. Uh, Cleveland's got too many issues with Flacco starting quarterback this week, <laughs> even though they get the win, uh, the old, the old guy there, you know, old Joe. Uh, trying, try, trying <laughs> to take the Browns to beat his old team here. So uh, no, I, I don't think that anybody's going to catch the Ravens. I think they're playing the best football in the NFL right now on the last two week stretch. I feel like they're really kind of forming their, what their offense is, you know, like you said, Odell coming back in the picture. So, yeah, I've, I've got Baltimore as well. Uh, let's go to the AFC East right now. Of course, the Dolphins are 9-3 and three where we sit right now. They could win. They could lose. A lot could happen with that loss there. Uh, right behind them are the Bills at 7-6. and six. A lot of good teams at 7-6 and six right now. Um, the Jets currently at 5-8. and eight. It feels like it's been a long time since the Jets have not been last in the division. And the only reason they're last in the division is because the New England Patriots are sucking it up and tanking for a draft pick at this point at 3-10 and 10 and have automatically at this point in the season been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. So that's where we stand. Who do we think? Uh, can Buffalo make a push? Does Miami have it in the bag uh, right now? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I think that Buffalo will still make it into the playoffs and be a wild card and be a sneaky wild card, too. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Dolphins with that high-powered offense uh, and their defense, too. 
has been coming on strong. Uh, so give me the Dolphins to win the division. Yeah, I agree uh, there. I think the Bills could make the playoffs, but this is a team kind of like the Bengals that made some um, big errors early in the season, kind of put themselves behind the eight ball. Uh, Dolphins have looked really good all year. I, I think that this team will do well. I don't think they make it as far in the playoffs as some people, but I do think they win this division. Uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo, and here's why. I think the I think the Dolphins have a tougher stretch at the end of the season here, uh, regardless of next week they play the Jets. But aside from that, I feel like the rest of the way is really tough. Cowboys still got to play the Cowboys. They still have to play the Bills, and they're playing the Ravens. So a lot there happens to finish the season for them. So I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to go with the Bills only because they're battle-tested, I feel like. They're the most battle-tested team right now uh, in contention in that division. So I'm going to roll with them because um, I feel like the Jets are out of it. The Jets could be a wild-card team if Aaron Rodgers comes back. Who knows? So uh, anything could happen there. But, yeah, right now I'll stick with the Bills just because of their battle-testedness. Uh, let's go to the AFC South right now. The Jags, 8-5, and five are leading the division. Uh, right behind them, the Colts making an interesting push at seven and six. I don't think anybody knew who their quarterback was going to be going in the offseason. Uh, tied with Houston, Houston at seven and six. What a turnaround for that franchise! Uh, and bringing up the rear there are the Tennessee Titans right now, who are currently leading the Miami Dolphins at four and eight right now. So, uh, how do we feel about the Jags? I mean, only one game clear of the field, it seems like there. But they got Trevor back. It seemed like doom and gloom for them. They lost Christian Kirk. It looked like Trevor was going to be out for three or four weeks in his own right. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise to see him play and, and play really well um, against the Cleveland Browns, who are a tough defense. So that cements my pick for the for the Jags. Um, I do like that the Colts are making a run at it. I think it would be fun to see that team make it with the backup quarterback and running back. Um, Michael Pittman's had a really good year, but ultimately I do think that, um, Jacksonville gets it done. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. This is probably the toughest one uh, of the AFC. You know what? I might as well do it. Give me the Houston Texans to win the AFC South. Uh, I know that they just got curb signed by the Jets. They lost 30 to six was one of their worst games of the season so far. Uh, but looking down the stretch, you know, Jacksonville, they have Baltimore uh, this week and that's going to be a tough one. I don't think that they get through that, uh, you know, it, and then also Houston and Jacksonville with the split season series. Uh, I think we potentially lost Tyler. <laughs> but, All right. Pa- on While we're on a pause here, the funniest thing just happened in this Green Bay and New York game. Uh, the Green Bay guy absolutely decapitated Tommy DeVito and did not get called for unnecessary oh my roughness. God. They punted the ball. The guy who had the hit on DeVito was the punt returner. He fumbled <laughs> the ball twice on the same play, and now the Giants have the ball at the 25-yard line. So it was a little bit of poetic wow. justice. Uh, justice was served, and DeVito just ran it in for a touchdown. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well. That's a turn of events. Oh, they're saying he's down at one. But that's your little sidebar while we were reading. Well, then you're going to get a Saquon Barkley one yard rushing touchdown coming up then. 
So Probably, Saquon could get his second well. touchdown of the game there uh, in this one. But he hasn't yeah, played too well. No, no, uh, just Devito might have gotten it. We'll see. Uh, Maybe so. We'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, to for the AFC South, um, I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with the Jags. I feel like they have the easiest stretch to close the season out because um, Indianapolis and Houston both have to play each other again uh, to close out the season. So the Jags' toughest game of the year is next week against the Ravens. Uh, but after that, it's Bucks, Panthers, and Titans to close it out, all teams with losing records uh, right now. So I feel like they're okay right now. I feel if Trevor Lawrence can – sustain you know coming back from the injury it, it definitely they can win that division good to see the jags bouncing back there even though a great season from the texans tyler's pick i would love to see the texans pull it out and do it uh they might who knows i mean that's that division's very much up for grabs uh in that one to another one that's still up for grabs and it hasn't been for a really long time that's the afc west yeah the kansas city chiefs are still leading at eight and five currently but who's on their heels other than the team that went on a five-game win streak? They're seven and six now. Oh my God, they have a winning record. The Denver Broncos are back in the picture. Man, the Chargers must be kicking themselves because this is the year they could do it. People thought they would. We did. We fell for it twice in it, two years in a row. Uh, yeah. Chiefs get it done. But man, it would be fun to see the Broncos do it. It would be fun. I mean, the Sean Payton effect. I mean, he goes to Denver. I know that they went one in five, uh, but after that, they really figured it out. Uh, you know, coming off of a, a really good performance against the Chargers. The Chargers have been disappointment after disappointment. Broncos this week have the, you know, the Lions this week. If they get, you know, that win somehow, some way, you know, they get the Patriots, Chargers, and the Raiders to close it out. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of an easy schedule there. KC has an easy schedule too, you know, looking at it, the Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. So with that, I'm going to go with the, the Chiefs. I mean, it's hard to bet still against uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, but that would just be a crazy story if the Broncos somehow, some way pulled it out of their hats and won this division. Yeah, I'm going to go with the crazy story. I think they can okay. do it. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos. Here's right. why. Um, I think that they can outlast the Chiefs. I mean, there's, there's a – Scenario where who knows how the Chiefs go into next week um, with everything that's happened. Who knows what happens up in New England? I mean, at this point, I mean, the Bills went into Arrowhead and won a game. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. The week before, you know, Casey goes to Green Bay and gets the socks beat off of them there in Green Bay. So, I mean, a lot can happen uh, in the last couple of weeks here. I mean, I, I do think here's the interesting thing. I think the Chargers are going to bring up the rear in the division, to be honest with you. I think that, yeah, if now, that now that Herbert's done, I think that they honestly are going to fall behind. Um, and it's nothing it's nothing against the Chargers. I just feel like without him, they're, they're not going to be too much. I don't think that they can trust their backup to come in there. And I don't even know who the heck their backup is. Is it Max Duggan time? <laughs> Is it Max Duggan? Is it really? No, it's Easton Stick. Oh, uh, I want to see Max Duggan. Come on, come back Max in Duggan's the place the where he was. <laughs> Could you imagine? But no, uh, yeah, I think Denver can do it. I, I think they're the closest bet for me to pull something out in, in the AFC. So, potential team to crack the the wild card there uh, in the AFC. So, lots to come from the AFC. Not as exciting as the NFC. The NFC is exciting. NFC East, 
Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles are both at 10 and three. Dallas has the head to head currently and the giants and commanders bringing up the rear. Who do we got here? Yeah, really look at the two remaining schedules. Definitely Philly has the easier stretch, uh, but I'm going to go with Dallas. I think that they're, they're really playing well, that defense. Uh, I don't care who they play at this point. I'm just going to go with it. You know, I, I try, I was going back and forth on both of these teams coming down to the wire. Uh, so give me the Cowboys to take this division. I'm going to take Dallas as well. And I know that uh, Tony Pollard, fantasy owners might not like to hear this, but a big reason why I'm doing this is I think Dallas is finally going back to that two running back system that's worked pretty well for yeah, them. Yeah, Dowdle has really been good. Yeah, Dowdle's been a good player. Um, I think that that's just kind of how they operate. You know, these two backs will will do well, and, and Dak's going to stretch the field to Brandon Cooks and to CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, to me, has established himself as a top receiver in the game uh this year and he's been really impressive so and the defense i mean how many times have we seen them come up clutch i know that sometimes they get burnt and they let up a lot of points like they did to seattle and and san fran but when you need a clutch play on defense i feel like this team's always there so i i like uh dallas for now yeah i'm gonna stick with dallas also i think dallas can do it they looked really good against Philly, and nobody else in that division looks like they can hold a stick to what's going on there uh, for the Cowboys. So uh, enough of that boring division, it feels like. To the NFC North, a lot can happen here in this division, it feels like, at any given time. Uh, Detroit leads the division at 9-4, and four, looking at a 10-win season possibly. Uh, right behind them, two games back, are the Minnesota Vikings. Right behind them, the Green Bay Packers have worked themselves back into contention in the North. Uh, and bringing up the rear are the Bears. Who do we got here? Are we looking for an upset? Coming to Green Bay is kind of chugging along here, or do the Lions hold on? I think the Lions hold on, but there definitely is a cause of panic, especially with the past couple of weeks. Uh, I just don't know what's going on with this team. They look like world beaters for the first like eight to ten weeks of the week, and then you hit, you know hit the bye week, and all of a sudden they're a different team. Uh, but Looking at the other teams, I, I think that Green Bay might sneak their way into the playoffs. But the way that Minnesota's been looking, I mean, my gosh, this offense is just lost uh, without Kirk Cousins at the helm. Uh, so I still feel confident Detroit finishing the deal. Yeah, I like Detroit to finish it too. I mean, this is why you have to get off to a hot start. Um, and, and you can buy yourself a bad week or two midseason like we are now. So I think this team's getting some of the bad stuff out the way. I think they'll be fine. I don't think they make as big of a run as I thought they could in the playoffs. I really like either uh, Dallas or Philadelphia more than Detroit, but I think this team has the pieces to win the division. Yeah, I'm going to go Detroit also. I think they can do it. Um, Just hold on for dear life. Minnesota looks like they're falling apart. And I think Green Bay, even if they do win out, I I do think that they're still going to be short of the Lions or close, close to them, but I still think they'll fall short of what Detroit's done up there. Uh, moving to the NFC West, I'm going to save the best for last. Uh, no, we're moving to the are. NFC West. Uh, right now, the San Francisco 49ers I mean, are 10 and three. Right now, behind them, the Rams six and seven. They can't catch Seattle them. six so. and seven. <laughs> Arizona three and ten. I mean, talk about a, a division that's falling apart. Other than San Fran, they look like they're running the NFC right now, along with the Cowboys. Um, so I don't think we even need to talk about the NFC nope. West. Uh, 49ers. I don't think anybody has any points. I think uh, the, the 49ers are, might be the pick of the, the NFC. 
They might be. I think yeah, I'm, I'm gonna roll with them. I think so. I think they can be. Yeah, they look Rock like pretty. I mean, 362 player. yards coming off of a really good game. I mean, stuff to beat. <laughs> I think Bark Purdy's got to be my dog of the week every week they win. So maybe that's something going forward. Uh, to the NFC South. Here's the oh, exciting boy. division. Oh <laughs> my god. Uh, the only division with a losing record team that is currently leading the division, the Tampa Bay Bucks are six and seven. They are leading the division right behind them at six and seven is the Atlanta Falcons, and behind them at six and seven also is the New Orleans <laughs> right Saints. Behind <laughs> and bringing up the rear is the eliminated Carolina Panthers. We're sorry, Wade, for this one at one and twelve. Uh, after an abysmal how, showing. How are you already eliminated from your division when the leader doesn't even have a winning record? That's how you know you're bad. <laughs> the Patriots really are like dumb. the only other team that's eliminated. And the yeah, Cardinals. So them, yes. Well, the Cardinals aren't eliminated yet. Oh, well, they will be. Because so they, they play the 49ers be. and they'll get curb yeah, stomped. They're going to get curb stomped in that one. But yeah, so but, yeah, the Carolina and New England are the only two right now. How do we feel about the division? Do the Saints still have a chance? I think yep. everybody has a chance at this point, but who has the best shot at winning the division when it all is said and done? I just want to go back to I'm gonna like give me a cone of shame moment here. Back I drank so much of the Kool-Aid thinking that Derek Carr was just world beater of a quarterback. I said that this team was gonna go eleven and six, and here's why. They had one of the easiest schedule in football. When you have a freaking clown as a head coach away. and a bum as a quarterback, they find a way to be average or be even below average. So I'm not going to go with the Saints. I don't think that they're going to do it. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I think that with Desmond Ritter and the boys, I think that B. Sean Robinson, the first like half of the season, it was like Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson was still in the mix. And what do they do? They started on winning with B. Sean. I know that they just lost to, to Tampa, uh, but Tampa, who knows about them? They're up and down. Uh, but I'm going to go with the young talent of a- the ATL, go with the Falcons to win the NFC South. Barely. It won't be it's gonna probably win it like eight or nine eight and nine or nine and eight, somebody like that. It's gonna take a miracle for some one of these teams to get over five hundred. I'm gonna go with the Bucks, and here's why I think they just have the most consistent quarterback play. Um and they have head to head wins now over Atlanta and New Orleans. Um so when we're talking about a, a division that's gonna come down to the final weekend. Um, it's really helpful to have the tiebreaker over both teams at the moment. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Tyler uh, Atlanta. I think the Falcons can do it. They have a win against the Bucks earlier in the year, so they split. Uh, they also have the win over the Saints right now, uh, the one in Atlanta. They still have to play in New Orleans to close the season out. But I feel like the Falcons have the easiest schedule to finish the season in the division, and I feel like they're the best team to capitalize. Panthers coming up this week, uh, they're three-point Favorites on the road. Uh, toughest game left on the schedule they're playing at home is against Indianapolis, the only other team with a winning record on their schedule. So uh, and Indianapolis could be a team with a losing record by the time we get there, 500. So a lot could happen with that. I think I agree. Desmond Ritter, Bijan Robinson, big. Drake London, huge week for them. And uh, I'm sad I traded him away to Tyler, but I could have used him. go to waste. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't blame you. I mean, that team was he so might be playing for my bad. toilet bowl team. Who knows? Golly, <laughs> he might win so. Tyler first pick. Yeah, he might. He might. So I, yeah, I feel bad trading him away because he's carried the. You trade away Brian Robinson in him, the number yeah, four running back in fantasy. How dumb could you be? I know I did. <laughs> and then you I trade did. away the MVP, but he's hurt. So, 
Yeah, a lot could happen. I mean, trade away Dak Prescott too, because Tyler needed a quarterback. I did not get enough value from Dak Prescott. <laughs> Loser, freaking fleeced me for Dak I Prescott. Did fleece, so. If you really go back to that trade, that was the ultimate fleece of the season. It honestly oh went to waste. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, that's it, folks. I mean, really, NFL recap: all that's happened this last week, looking ahead, and what could happen at the end of the season. Everything college football coming the way. I mean. Next week is kind of the big week when it comes to the big bowl games. We'll get to the other games, of course, this upcoming weekend before our next show. Uh, but unfortunately, you get to see my beautiful face again next week. <laughs> yes, one more show weeks. before the holidays come across us. Yes, yeah. So next week we will see you guys again. A uh, lot to talk about with the bowl season and NFL. So we will all take that uh, into account for next week's show, and we will see you guys again next week.